There's gonna come a time when your income is gonna stop. These are the three best ways you can use to fund your income in retirement. Let's kick into it. Welcome to the NZ Guide, a financial freedom podcast. It's run by the co-founders of a free online learning platform called moneyskills.co.nz, and it has the sole mission of providing every New Zealander the opportunity to live a more fulfilling life. So let's kick into it. So you got the big 65 coming up and you're trying to work out how am I going to fund my retirement? What sort of tools can I use? What are the pros and cons of different methods? So I'm going to break this down. Uh, the main three school of thoughts currently on how to fund your income in retirement is basically you've got property, you've got managed funds, and you've got the bank, which, you know, um, they, they have they have their benefits and they had their negatives, and there's a reason why we use managed funds. So I'll try not to be biased in this. I'll try and explain why. Um, but really what we do for a living is tell the truth, which is not a bad gig to have. Um, so let's start off with the bank. First thing about the bank, the number one benefit of putting your money in term deposit is a fixed return. And a lot of people can't handle volatility. A lot of people don't want to put in effort. So if you get money from the bank, um, then it's fixed return. You know it's there. You can take it out when you need it. The problem with it is when you actually calculate the real return, which is after fees, tax and inflation usually your real return is between negative one and one percent currently it's drastically less than that because inflation is so high it's around about 4.9 percent it might actually go be closer to six percent i've heard a lot of mixed messages coming from the government um but let's not get political so at the moment inflation let's say it's five percent just for simple terms and in, a, in an amazing world, you're getting 3% in your term deposit and you lock it in and you're like, okay, my money's there. I know it's there. I trust the New Zealand banking system. I feel comfortable. The part you don't take in consideration is tax. Let's say it's 30%. Easy math again. I don't want to put myself through it. I don't want to put you through it. Let's make the math easy. So if you take off 30%, round about your returns too. Now, the fees vary, so we won't necessarily take them into consideration. They're not necessarily major, but you know they're there. So you got two percent, and then the other thing that you have is inflation currently at four point nine percent. So two minus four point nine percent, we're going to say five for easy mass, is minus three percent. So what you're getting the benefit of is a fixed return, but usually the real return is either minus one to one, and currently it's actually about minus three percent. So you know your money's there, it's, it's growing in nominal terms, so after tax and fees, it's growing when you see it, you're getting the interest rate come in, you're seeing it monthly, and you're like, I feel good about that, it's growing. But in real terms, your ability to use the bank to fund your income is gonna be a challenge because you know we all remember when lollies were one cent, well, maybe not all of us, but some of us listen to this, you used to be able to buy lollies for one cent, and now I don't even know, but it's probably ridiculous. Ridiculous. So that's the benefit of having it in the bank. The problem is, in real terms, you're not necessarily keeping pace with inflation. So where can you go if not the bank? Well, the second and the number one thing New Zealanders love to use is rental property. And the two great benefits, well, there's three great benefits of property. Is One is leverage, so you're making money on money you don't have. So you get a loan. And instead of just making, let's say you invested 100 grand, you use that hundred grand as a deposit, and then you actually get, let's say, a six hundred thousand dollar loan. So you're making growth on the six hundred thousand dollars that you've invested, 
and you're using the rental income to service the debt. So you're actually making a return on a larger sum of money as opposed to from just the hundred grand that if you had invested. That's the idea of leverage. Because if you think about if you make uh, 10% on $10, that means you make $1. If you make 10% on $100, that means you make $10. So you still only put in the deposit, but you're making money on the overall value of the house. So that's a great benefit of property. The other thing with property is what you're effectively going to use is what's called the rental yield. It varies. It can go up to 5%. It can be around 3 But a good rule of thumb after tax, the rental yield relative to the value of the home, which is effectively the house is worth this. This is how much the people pay in rent. This is how much goes into my bank account after tax. So the after-tax rental yield is usually around 2 to 3%. And you want to take in consideration maintenance insurance. So, you know, we're working off that 2 to 3% model. Now, the challenge becomes, what if you have a higher requirement of income when you retire, let's say $60,000. So your goal is to be in a position where you can fund your lifestyle with $60,000 tax paid. So it's just coming into your bank account and you can use that money to enjoy life. You can go on the cruises, you can go see your nana. I don't, you probably wouldn't have a nana if you're retired, but if you do, you know, Google says people that are the age of, are going to live to the age of 150 has already been born. I was just watching a lecture from Elon Musk talking about how they can um, use Neuralink, uh, which is, you know, using uh, mechanisms to communicate between the brain and the body. Um, there was actually uh, a monkey that was playing um, Pong, you know, that game that goes up and down and it goes dunk across the other side, dunk, and just playing it with their mind which is out the gate. Um, and they're talking about using that for Alzheimer's, different ailments, trying to get their people to walk again because the, the um, tetraplegics, the, uh, the spinal cord isn't communicating with the messages from the brain. So they try to reconnect that messaging systems, you know, kind of like an electrical current, you know, helping communicate between those gateways. So, you know, you, you could very well live for a long time. I don't know why I went down that route, but... <laughs> I actually can't even remember. But we've got, we've got. let's say we want to achieve that 60 grand. The good thing about rental property is you're making, you're preserving the capital. And ideally, if you buy a good structure and a good location, it's going to appreciate in value. So the value of the assets increasing. And then also you're getting a rental income. But the challenge is you have to get quite a decent portfolio to achieve the income of $60,000. So think about it. If you're... Uh, using 2% as the, the mark after um, maintenance, insurance, rental um, rental costs, uh, rates, all that good stuff. Let's say it's 2%. So if you have a million dollars worth of property, you're earning an income of $20,000, but your goal is $60,000. So what you actually need is probably closer to $3 million. So you got $3 million worth of property and you're retiring and the challenge is it's not necessarily a retirement vehicle. Maybe you could use a property manager and it's low touch and maybe that creeps into your rental yield, so your income. But for the most part, it can be stressful. If you enjoy it, I have clients, they have commercial property, they're in their 70s, they still love it. Um, so why give it up? But that's the real question with rental property is either one, um, I said one, but I put up two signs, either one, you actually have to use um, get a lot of uh, quite a large portfolio to achieve the income that you want and two it's not necessarily retirement it's still requiring you to be invested 
but quite often it is quite hard when you approach retirement it's not just the finances it's finding meaning in your life so you could argue at least with rental property you still feel like you're contributing maybe you could have a, a feel-good factor where you're actually helping um, your tenants in more ways than just uh, providing them a home because if you think about it if it's a business if you can add more uh, value to your clients in one place they're less likely to leave and they might even pay more of a premium that's what we're finding in um, our sector is that okay we do investment planning services we work out how to fund a person's lifestyle we look at the big picture insurance we look at structures things that could go wrong um, and things to protect them but there's some there's some aspects that we're not servicing like insurance or people reaching out they have a mortgage and they I just feel I'm letting them down because I could actually add a lot of value and I'd love to be a part of their success over 30 years where it's just a one-stop shop for all things finance. And the argument is if you go to if you're not specialized then you know you're a jack of all trades, master of none and then how do you target your niche and how do you get people to come in? Um, but if you're adding more value to a client base, they'd be in a position where they might want to pay more. So that could be, you know, you could get creative with your rental property. You could just not just provide a place. You could turn it into an office of sorts or there's a personal development component to it or there's a sense of community. So you've got a collection of units. You bring a certain type of people into it. Those type of people, maybe they're all business professionals and they support each other and they meet and then they pay for that premium. So you could get creative, but usually rental yields between two to three percent. You're preserving the capital for your family, so you know at least your children looked after if something happens to you. Um, you're making money on money you don't have, so you have the potential to leapfrog it. But there are a number of changes, legislative changes, where it's harder to get rid of tenants. You've got a healthy home standard where you have to make sure that you're looking after your home and that people it's a livable state whether that's mold, whether it's having the perfect heat pump and all that sort of stuff, insulation. Um, so there's a lot to it. There's also interest deductibility. So once upon a time, you used to be able to claim the interest on your mortgage as a cost, and then you know, you'd know you still be cash flow positive. You'd still be making a good income even though you're servicing the debt. But now they've sort of removed that. Um, and it's not as easy as it once was. And maybe there'll be changes with the new government. Usually what happens is you have one government, they maybe overdo it, and then people are like, oh, no, no, we better change and use this new government, and then they go the other way. So it could change, but currently it is quite hard um, to be a property owner. Could you, you also could negatively gear it, so where it's actually um, you're offsetting your personal income just from your job or for your business, um, offsetting it because of the costs incurred with your um, your loan and uh, that you're losing money potentially by having a rental property. There's also depreciation. So an asset is a depreciation. The home is a depreciating asset, so you could claim that. Now you can only claim chattels, so removable items from your house and claim that as an offset to protect that income you're getting from the rental property. So basically, in summary, rental property... Is good because you're making money you don't have. You make you need you've leveraged yourself. Um, the other thing is you're earning capital appreciation without dipping into it and an income. The problem is you need quite a big portfolio to get a sizable income, and you're not really retired. So that's what I would say to that. Now, other people might have a pushback, Ryan. Why don't I use dividends or an index portfolio to fund my income? Well, the challenge comes with that is even if you have a very high performing index fund with like New Zealand companies, for example, that usually have a higher dividend, 
which is basically just profits that are paid out to shareholders. Um, and the reason New Zealand might have more dividends is because they can't grow uh, as much as different places. So how they incentivize shareholders is paying out some of their profit, some of their profits. So let's say you know you get between three to four percent from a dividend index fund of New Zealand companies. That's that's actually treated as income. So it's tax, very tax inefficient. So if you take off income. Uh, income tax from that then you're not as pretty as you like you also need quite a lot of um, um, same problem with rental property you need quite a substantial portfolio to fund your income and it may fluctuate you know companies don't always have profits that they can pay out and you're quite reliant on it Um, the other thing is what if you put it all in index funds like people might say well I'm getting a higher return than you know if I have a balanced or conservative portfolio but you might have the markets go down for four to five years and you've got a single asset class where you have to sell to fund your lifestyle and you're crystallizing a 40 to 50% loss. So why we advocate in retirement for balanced or conservative portfolios is it's less volatile. It's still volatile, but you can take out portions of it from the different asset classes and use that as an income. The other benefit of a balanced portfolio in retirement is that you can take out 6% of the value of the portfolio. So you don't need as much money to get as good an income as you'd like. So if we use the $60,000 as an example, you invest a million dollars, you take out 6%, it usually lasts between 25 to 30 years. So you've got an income of $60,000 a year. This, the con of that is you're um, drawing down on the capital, so you're not leaving your children something. And usually what I would say to that is leave them the house and it's usually better to instill good values in your family and showing them a life that was well lived instead of leaving them material things. You know, people get complacent. Um, they don't spend the money wisely. And, you know, they don't feel as though the success is theirs because they got it from somewhere else. Um, so, and it's very tax efficient. In New Zealand, you don't necessarily have capital gains tax, um, but you do have a tax on income. So there's very little income that's actually in the portfolio itself. A lot of the benefit you get is from a capital growth where the value of the underlying assets increased as opposed to a dividend or an interest that you're getting from the portfolio. And the other thing is it's capped at 28%. Um, so, you know, you're not paying up to 39%, which you might pay for if you're earning over 180 grand a year. Um, so it's tax efficient in that way. Um, there's some tax drag with it because you're owning a basket of goods instead of investing in individual companies. There is some tax drag that comes with using those vehicles. But for the most part, it's what's called a portfolio investment entity here in New Zealand. KiwiSave is an example of that, where for the most part, it is quite tax efficient. So that, that's, that's the benefit of a balanced portfolio. It's flexible enough where you can take out money irrespective of what's happening in the markets. Um, you can take out a higher amount, so 6% instead of the 2 to 3% rental yield, instead of the turn deposits or the dividend um, generating companies that you would take an income from. So you can take out more. Con is you're drawing down on the capital benefit is you know you can take the money it's liquid you can use it when you need it so those are the pros and cons so you can use either one of those um, it's just being mindful of the cost of each choice um, we advocate for using a balanced portfolio in the lead up to retirement you use KiwiSaver in conjunction with a managed portfolio you most likely growth if you can handle it and your time horizons over 10 years so you're in your 50s I need to save some money I go nuts on KiwiSaver I go nuts on a managed fund I consolidate them in retirement 
sell off KiwiSaver, put it in the managed fund and start taking out 6%. And hopefully there's a pension still there. So you're taking out 60 grand a year from your million dollars. Sounds like a lot, but if you let compounding interest do its work in the lead up to retirement, it's not as much as you think. And then you take out the 60 grand, you get the pension, you're a couple, another 30. So you've got $90,000 after tax income, lasts you 25 to 30 years. So, you know, it, it's taking you up to 90 almost, um, depending on, you know, a few market conditions. But 25 to 30 years is pretty reasonable. And you've lived the life and you leave the house to the kids. So those are the pros and cons. Hope that was useful. And if you could um, take the time to give us a review um, means the world to us just gives us the opportunity for more people to learn about these um, it's a lot easier to you know help you now when you're saving for retirement than trying to clean up the mess at the end uh, so i hope more people think about it and uh yeah thank you for the time